0: How's everything going?
1: I have coffee. I'm tired. I'm ready to do this.
0: (laughs) Is it like 8.30 for you? Something like
1: that? 9.30, but I I set an alarm to make sure I could wake up and shower. So (laughs) (laughs) I've been going to bed at like 3 a.m. recently, so uh, (laughs) this is not my time of day.
0: (laughs) Andy, how have you been? Uh, I have been pretty good. The last time we saw you was in... I guess it was victory or was it? Yeah, yeah that was it was at, victory. It was the last time I played. Yep. Where you went a little 5150 on us. 5150. What do you mean? I know you say a little crazy on us.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a bummer because like I kind of wish I could go back in time and not have had like a meltdown and actually played a win. But I, I don't know. I just was going through a lot and ended up
0: uh, yeah, quitting. I mean, it was like a month into COVID. So I think everyone was yeah. a little
2: there's a lot of stressors. And like the thing is, like when I like I I almost never play orgs anymore because it's hard for me to shut my brain off. So like I can't sleep at night when I'm like thinking of strategy. And um, yeah, I tend to, to take games a little seriously. And it kind of it was a lot a lot going
0: on. Yeah, it didn't help that that was, like, all everyone had to focus on at that time. <laughs> and, like, people were out of jobs, and it was just kind of, I don't know, it was a, it was a time. Yeah, it was. It was I,
1: intense, for sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but you two got to play
2: together, so that was cool.
1: Yeah!
2: I know, it was awesome. La Vida was, like, my fave fav ally of all time, I want to say. Like, at least Aww. for sure up there. I loved a La Vida, and I loved Penner, I love and it was cool to play with, um... Blondzilla and Eve again. It was just weird. It was such a weird mix of people. It was cool. I loved everyone in that game.
0: Yeah. Thinking back, even just you rattling off the names is like kind of surreal because just like the the best players of all time were together, I would say. Totally.
2: I've never played a game actually with that like high caliber of players. You know, like everybody was really, really good.
0: I would agree. I don't think I've seen a game with that level of flares, just like everyone had ten years of experience and the people who didn't were just like really good. It was wild. But I guess we can jump into Stranded in Aruba. Uh, I have a whole intro written, so I'll go through that Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about the season um, before we dive into like the recap. Welcome to the latest adventure in podcasting. Journey with us across time as we explore the rich 14-year history of Stranded. In order to look forward,
1: we must first look back. This is
2: Stranded Through History.
0: Stranded in Aruba. Welcome back to the second edition of our new series, Stranded Through History. Joining us tonight is the lead stranded archivist and my co-host, LaVita. Hello. (laughs) Uh, It's early today, so (laughs) we're just going to I wasn't sure if
1: I was supposed to talk.
0: (laughs) We're getting warmed up. Today's history lesson will be about season two of Stranded, Stranded in Aruba. Joining us tonight is the runner-up from Stranded in Aruba, Melinda, played by Stutz. Is this where I say hello? Yep. Hi. And he's here to give us his perspective as someone who lived through the experience, uh, welcome to the podcast, Melinda. Let's Get journey it. back in time to January 8th, 2008, five months after the finale of season one, Stranded in Bolivia. Stranded is coming off of its first season, and this would be the first season where I am the main host. Unleashed from the creative restraints of season one, I started incorporating a few new twists, and I think instantly you see an increase in activity level and gameplay. Without the restriction of every player being brand new, uh, we still see a majority of new players, but... We added in a few veterans, namely Misty, Gary, Jamie, Shane, uh, to name a few, who had played in previous games of mine. One of the main differences between this series and the previous series was that you were uh, supposed to only play Stranded once under one alias, making each time you play unique. Of course, um, that immediately goes to shit as the winner of the first season of Stranded has snuck back into the season (laughs) under a ghosty, as we called it at the time. Um, Rava Rules plays Courtney here and he would go on to win again, back-to-back, spoiler alert. That's epic.
1: (laughs) It's super impressive, just, you know, over the very first part of of stranded's history. Really?
0: Yeah. And we're going to look at some parallels between his game in this season and in the first season, and we'll talk a little bit about whether that was an advantage. I think it was a huge advantage, but he was an accomplished player. So no knock at him. But I do think it's an advantage that he got to experience stranded as the first winner and then got to play against people who this was their first stranded experience. So let's just talk about stranded as uh, in Aruba as a whole. When I think back to the season, I think about how well-rounded the cast was, especially compared to the first season where there was a lot of inactives and they had clear standouts. This season was kind of well-balanced where there were a very even field of big characters. And I think each character was different, but they each brought something special. Whereas I think the first season, while they had a lot of, you know, I mean, you could say the, the characters there also brought something, but I think they really had standouts with... Joel, Gretchen, and Greg this season, you really got like an even field of 18 characters that were all fleshed out. And so for me, I think this season kind of jumps up a level from the first one where for the first time we get a sense of like modern stranded with these really complex storylines. Um, I think the first season was kind of like a dumbed down storyline. Um, it was very easy to follow. This season, we have like a lot going on, um, which is going to make today's recap very, very intense because there's a lot to cover.
1: Yeah, I definitely enjoyed reading these recaps for season two a little bit more than I enjoyed for season one I think there was just as you said there's a lot more complexity with how all the characters were interacting a lot less uh inactivity people really had to hit the ground running really start working strategizing right away and um there was no time to just kind of sit back and and not do much
0: Yeah, Before we get into like the details of the season, which we'll try to run through, we'll, we'll probably play it by ear, but I'm debating whether I just run through my notes or we talk about them a little bit. But before we do that, I would like to ask Melinda, how did you remember your experience in this season? Was this your first game?
2: It wasn't like my first game, but it was one of my first games, like as a part of the new community. Like I I was a freshman in college and I had played orgs when I was, I don't know, probably as early as like eighth grade or something like that. And throughout high school a little bit, but they were way different when I had first started playing them because they weren't anonymous. So I don't know. It was like a weird. I, I can't even really remember those earlier games. But that was, I think, only like my second or third game when I like started playing. Like where you have like a character. Um, so yeah, it was pretty early on.
0: How do you remember the experience? I guess before we look into it too deeply. How do you look back on that first season of Stranded? Yeah, I I'm just like now remembering
2: it now that I've been like reading through it the last couple of days. So like my memory of it is very blurry because that was like many years ago, 13 years ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 13 Um, now.
2: Like I have little blips of remembering being like really pissed off that I lost because I thought like I going into Final Tribal Council, I thought I had it in the bag because I thought Courtney was just like a complete idiot. And I didn't see like three people voting for her to win. And I thought nobody would vote for Misty either because she was voted out already. Um, So I like I think I like went into the final tribal like really cocky. And then I I probably was like really upset when I didn't win. Sure. Yeah. But I I remember it being fun. I don't have a whole lot of like vivid memories of it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I would say, honestly, I mean, obviously, I I remember the experience, if that makes sense, more than like specifics of the season, because it was so long ago and... It wasn't like a clear cut storyline like the first one was. I just kind of remember the vibe of that season, which was very upbeat, fun, and really the first time we had like a fully active cast. Uh, So the energy was definitely there and everyone was really playing to win, which we'll get into. So I guess let's go ahead and start the recap. Episode one, we start off the season with two tribes of nine. Arawak in yellow and Kakatios in blue. I hope I'm not murdering these tribe names. Kaketios starts off Shane is a character immediately he starts yelling at everyone his his shtick in this is to speak with all caps (laughs) Levita how was your experience reading Shane for the first time
1: amazing uh (laughs) it was absolutely hilarious to read everything he was writing first confessional you put he just starts talking he immediately aligns with danielle like no questions asked he sees her picture doesn't talk to her once he's like that's the girl i'm riding or dying with and he sticks to that i thought he was it was a very interesting approach to the game and i'm glad it worked out as well and as long as it did for him
0: Yeah, Shane is absolutely an icon this season and instantly it's it's weird because he's yelling the whole time and he's very confrontational, but completely endearing. Like I almost viewed him as like a little child or something where he's got like this. He would yell, but he referred to himself in the third person. So I don't know. It was it was bizarre. It's almost like everyone instantly liked him, even though he was confrontational except for maybe misty i think misty was rubbed a little wrong by it instantly off the bat you see misty and courtney bond bob dog is insane morgan is the first person inducted into shane's shit bitch list which i've never heard that those words strung together quite like that but iconic that he would add people to his shit bitch list over time throughout the season
1: And Morgan was on the other tribe, right? The only reason she made it on this list was because she talked back to him during the challenge, I think.
0: Right. And I think that actually that's not a terrible move when you are very vocal against one person on the other tribe. It kind of bonds you to the whole tribe. You become their attack dog. So that's probably another reason why Shane was endearing to a lot of his tribe members, despite being crazy. Terry and Danielle form an alliance and bring in Shane. So that's really the start of the core of that tribe. And I feel like... Misty kind of gets left out immediately because she doesn't commit Misty and Courtney. They're both kind of like the late night owls. So they bond and they're playing the game more seriously, whereas I think the other people are there, have more fun. And so when Misty and Courtney talk to them a lot, but don't commit to like an alliance, they assume that they're on the outside. And then it really doesn't help that Sari kind of has it out for Misty for seemingly no reason. Um, (laughs) And Misty. Immediately, almost like day one becomes persona non grata in It's <laughs> Misty's a whore. Yes. Misty is a whore. Misty's a whore. That's the big takeaway. Just a little brief about Misty. Misty was someone from my previous series of gaming that I played for me several times, was a fantastic player and really came into this, I thought would dominate immediately. Uh, That did not translate well. I think after a random uh, ousting by Suri as having asked too many questions or something or being too charming. And then she just becomes like this hate figure for the entire tribe to bond over again, I think for no reason at all.
2: I kind of get, I I know why people hate Misty, and I, I really liked Misty actually, but I kind of have this memory of how she used to write PMs, like she would always ask lots of questions And she would also be really evasive in like the information she would give. So it was almost kind of like she was trying to get information out of you, but was not really being very forthcoming about giving you information, which came across as kind of shady.
0: It's hard to say, especially since we don't have like the full records, these are just like snippets, highlights, but it's hard to say if that was something naturally that everyone would have concluded or if uh, someone put the idea out there and then everyone started noticing. Probably that, yeah. Probably that and I, th-
2: I think Danielle was kind of the big Daniel and Terry maybe like the big ring leaders about like hating Misty and they were kind of like the alphas of the tribe so you know you when you want to get in with the people who are the power players you just go along with it and then all of a sudden Misty is just the outcast automatically.
1: Yeah, Danielle and Terry like would just have bitch fests in their messages to each other where they were just trash Misty for like, I don't know, it seemed like hours on end for absolutely no reason with absolutely nothing like concrete at all. And then Misty ends up becoming like a star of this season, but it seemed like she was doomed from the very beginning to never have a chance of winning the game.
0: Yeah, it was very easy to pick out like the heroes and villains of this early. <laughs> like they just made it so obvious that I mean, of the conversation between Shane, Danielle, and Terry is just calling Misty a whore, a slut, like, just the the most awful person to ever live for, like, asking questions, you know? (laughs) Yeah, like,
1: they haven't even gotten a tribal, they don't even go to a tribal for a while, like, (laughs)
0: it's just... They they consider, like, throwing it just to get rid of her, and they're like, yeah, we want immunity, good news, bad news is we have three more days of Misty. (laughs) It's like, Jesus. (laughs) I mean, it's certainly fun to read, and they're, they definitely had fun with it, but yeah, it's just like, good lord, who do did she hurt i love like outside of the game like once
2: i got to know misty post stranded like we talked a lot on aim i think he, she lives in singa heat well it's a he i think he lives in singapore mm-hmm. i don't know if he still does but um he was awesome we had some really good talks i loved loved him
0: yeah i think he he might even be like i want to say he's probably like 10 years older than all of us at this time i think that, that maturity kind of showed mm. Probably. Yeah. Lots of not so mature people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, I think, you know, if we're looking at power structure, I I would put Terry as the leader, but you might disagree and put like Danielle as the silent leader pushing things through. I don't know.
1: Danielle was not silent. (laughs) No,
0: no, that's true.
1: (laughs) I would agree with that, though. Terry, I think, was probably the one really like in the best spot in that group
0: yeah and i fucking love danielle um after the season andy you danielle and i were kind of like bffs on aim for a long time where we talk like daily yeah i loved Al- alpo alpo snacks or whatever i know i wish he still existed i don't know where he is i
2: think he lived in florida and he was like 10 years older than us or so i want to say
0: i think he was like a lawyer or in law school at that
2: time yeah
1: was this our first stranded lawyer
2: Probably Who knows if any of that was real, though, you know, like he could have been like a 15 year old. I don't know if we ever probably got to verify identity back then.
0: No, we were definitely I think everyone was a little like guarded on who they really were. And there was certainly yeah. some catfishing going on. So who knows? Uh, but I tend to believe that it would it would be pretty elaborate to lie for that long and like for no reason. oh, and I thought for Before sure was, he had he had to have been like a gay man, but like he would never have admitted to that, but got total I, don't, gay I, don't know. I didn't get that. But again, maybe, you know, it's different people are different. Uh, but anyway, oh, way off topic. Uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Arawak, the other tribe. this tribe's a hot mess. namely, Cindy starts off. Insane. She starts like an alliance off the bat. She's telling everyone what to do. And then Judd and Jamie are just not having any of that. And Cindy immediately rubs everyone the wrong way, insisting that like Margaret or Jamie should be the first boot until Jamie shows up. And then it's obviously Margaret. Margaret gets voted out, of course. But I think it's just that Cindy was so blunt in his early episodes, just like.
1: I mean, she basically told Margaret to her face. Hey, we're all voting for you. So ha,
0: bye. I, uh, Margaret became kind of a, um, an inside joke with this group. Uh, Margaret Christ. She was like a deity at some point. But I just thought it was funny reading back because <laughs> Sydney was not this public rant about how Margaret should be the first boot. And Margaret's response is like, yo, dang, that's a lot of hate. <laughs> and then her last final words were like, fuck you. This game sucks. I quit losers
1: a true icon yeah <laughs> that's what you need any and then yeah to be brought up like you you saw it just later throughout all the episodes you see it i think danielle does it a lot she just keeps saying margaret christ or thank margaret or all of this <laughs> so because yeah. she becomes a whole meme of the season yep
0: um okay so moving on to episode two arawak sydney rubs people the wrong way again makes a comment about keeping morgan as the shield at tribal council Yeah, Cindy just has no chill. She's just like calling people out to their face in public. Judd and Jamie solidify their alliance and uh, plan to get rid of Cindy. So...
1: And then this is here where the game like really picks up where your where your twists really, really show themselves. And I want to talk about this twist because it is a huge one for this game.
0: Yeah. And full disclosure, like rereading some of these is like, wow, would not have made that decision now. Not sure on the the fairness of a lot of these twists, but I guess we'll get into that as we go. But I do actually like some of the ideas and concepts. The concepts are there. Maybe execution is a little weak. On Kakatios, Misty sniffs out that Siri is in closer than she claims. Three throws Misty completely under the bus. And I think I was impressed with how well Misty's reads were as an outsider. Misty and Courtney were both incredibly savvy players who like knew that they were on the outs knew people were fucking with them and could like sniff out who was aligned with who just based off of that, which I was very impressed with. And I think shows that their their gameplay level as being a little bit better than some of the other players. Of course, she suggests that Misty and Danielle are really close. Sari kind of her cracks are kind of showing where she's losing it a little bit. I think she's like going around planning different seats, different people. She kind of thinks that Danielle is aligned with Misty because Danielle would rather get out someone else was like less active. It was it was bizarre. And this is really the start of the majority alliance on Kakatios where Terry, Shane and Danielle as the core three bring in Suri and Melinda and make separate final twos with them we're later going to see this alliance not be so strong so i don't know how well this plan was executed by them Melinda, um, maybe you can remember a little bit about that
2: i don't really recall like people making final twos with me maybe terry i think i think i remember being really close with terry and danielle um more than shane I, my memory of it's pretty blurry um i do I remember thinking that i was definitely like the on the bottom of that group of five but i didn't really care because i knew that would be enough to get me to the switch
0: So then we get to the challenge and this is where the first twist of the season occurs. And it's a doozy. I think the idea behind this, if I remember, this is around the time of China. So I think we were playing with we wanted to do an outcast twist, but not an outcast twist. In other words, we obviously felt that that was a little unfair to have someone voted out, come back in. Of course, that would end up happening anyway. But but (laughs) the tribes vote someone out. The player that they vote out of their tribe would not be going home, but would be switching with immunity.
1: Were they told that up front? It sounded in the episode like they didn't know that right away. Yeah, it was super, like, fast, because you were doing, like, a reward challenge before the immunity challenge, kind of. So this was, a, like, a, hey, come on in, guys, and... Basically, like, okay, vote for somebody on your tribe. They're leaving right now, and that's all you said. And the fact that people thought they could have actually been voted out of the game at that point seems a little odd. But you know, yeah, I don't think you told them explicitly what was happening.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like, like learning what I did.
1: Yeah, let me just educate you here.
0: <laughs> I have no memory either. <laughs> <Season> you ran. <laughs> You could tell me anything and I'd be like, yeah, that sounds right. So, yes, they're voting people out and they do believe that they are going home. I think a little bit it stirs a lot of shit because obviously people on one tribe, it was very obvious people wanted Cindy out. But on the other tribe, there were some hinky votes and like a last minute push for Terry. And I think that that really freaks some people out and really throws three into the firing line.
1: Yeah, because I think Saree didn't think they were going to be voted out. I think she guessed at the twist and was like, oh, I'll vote for Terry because that'll be good. Um, and it ends up really screwing over her trust with basically everybody.
0: Well, that's what she claims. I don't know that that's necessarily what she thought. I kind of, Saree was kind of a, um, a liar. So <laughs> I'm not sure if she's like just telling people that to save her ass. She was intense. She wasn't a good liar. I do remember
2: like she was a liar, but she was not good at it. <laughs> Yeah. Remember that from whatever the second game was all stars.
0: Yeah, she was a big she had the habit of like backtracking on what she wanted to do and just going back to the other side. And, you know, like it was almost like she never clear mind made up. But during this challenge, Bob Dog, and Cindy are voted out. The twist is that they're made immune until merge without the ability to vote or participate in challenges. So basically they're just useless to everyone and complete outcasts from APM. I can't remember. They could PM. They were just kind of there, though, like they they had no benefit to anyone. So they were treated as outcasts. That's that was the concept anyway. And of course, the other layer to this twist is that they were going to be making influential decisions on the game. So like if you treated them as outcasts, it might come back to bite you. And of course, they would be in the merge later. But anyway, the bigger twist that's revealed to the outcasts at this point, but not to the other players, is that they will be in control of a hidden mutant idol, but mainly that they will have to give that away and can't reveal to anyone else that they've done that. So again, the, I, I guess the, the bigger concept was that these players who are outcasted by their tribes would then have um, influence from afar on the game while the players in the game treated them as outcasts. That, that was the concept, I think.
1: Yeah, this twist is crazy. It's just the, the contemplation of, okay, you can't vote, you have absolutely no impact at like the base level of the game, but you're also immune for the first, you know, half of it. And it's a really interesting way. It's like, okay, well, how are the players going, the players who have to vote and who could get voted out? How are they going to treat these people? And then how are these people going to approach it? Like, are they just going to say, okay, bye, fuck off till merge? Um, or are they really going to try to like integrate with these new people and and try to use their influence to get what they want?
0: It's twofold. I think Cindy really takes advantage of that and makes a, a strong bond with like Misty and Courtney. But then Bob Dog is insane. So uh, he just is a, an outcast. <laughs> (laughs) I don't think anybody could talk to Bob Dog uh, because he's crazy and
1: yeah. Can we talk about Bob Dog a little bit? Because I got that sense through the episodes too that he was like had no clue what was going on most of the time. It was a little insane, but I I, how was that in game?
0: Oh yeah, do you remember Bob Dog at all, Andy? Like not much. (laughs) So I I'm pretty
2: sure Bob Dog comes back for All Stars too. I think he did too, but I. I just think he was like an idiot, what yeah. my memory of it is. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this that's fair. Yeah, like and, and it's weird because I get the sense that he's actually not completely stupid. Like, you know, he talks pretty smart. He had like a pretty funny shtick and, and brought in like references to Nietzsche. And like it was, he can't be totally stupid. And he was really fun to watch. But I think he had like these grand ideas of how to play and um, just had absolutely no execution or finger on the pulse of what was actually going on. And we just kind of had his ideas in mind. and was very hard headed about it. I get the sense maybe maybe he's intelligent but terrible socially yeah total oddball greek character though entertaining but like not a great game player so bob dog calls out misty as the mastermind again just you know piling on to misty shane and terry begin to make the misty is a whore catchphrase so that's really the this is the start of that iconic misty bashing misty's a whore on Arawak. Brandon loses the challenge for his tribe, and he's got to go. So, R.I.P. Brandon. Nice kid, apparently, but just no game at all.
1: So He couldn't image post. Couldn't figure out how to post an image in the forum. It'll get you every time. Future stranded players know how to That's image true. post. We have tutorials for that now.
0: And Yeah, I was going to say, and to be fair, like the uh, onboarding was not great in these early stranded seasons. So. It's still the time of like dial-up internet, too. Maybe, not, yes, maybe towards the end of dial <laughs> Also, I think these seasons were shorter. And I, I honestly think that we did like an immunity and vote off like day one, which is crazy. Going on to episode three, things really start to heat up when Misty figures out that Shane, Danielle and Terry are in an alliance. And she does this because she suggested Aris and then Shane and Danielle would message her repeating talking points that Terry had, which I thought was very smart.
1: Yeah, Misty is really showing again, like she is a savvy game player. And I think the other players recognized that a little too quickly. And- And decided to hate her for it.
0: Yes. And Sari almost seemingly backpedals and starts to try to work with her. But of course, by this point, like everyone's on board with getting rid of Misty. Cindy and Misty bond over both being outcasts, which I thought was very endearing. Shane accidentally... I caught this in the episode but like nobody made anything of it. So I'm not sure what happened with this. But Shane apparently accidentally sent Misty a PM saying he's tired of her snooping around and mentions Terry in it. Which I guess he was trying to send to Danielle.
2: (laughs) <laughs> which, I love which is happens.
0: hilarious <laughs> he's the wrong person <laughs> yeah but I guess Misty never made anything of it I think you know she probably just filed it into her arsenal Misty's pretty savvy about that about telling what to who. So Courtney also is starting to clue in on the five person alliance. I think Misty and Courtney at this point read the writing on the wall that they're firmly on the outside. And Melinda, this is where you kind of start to pop up in the episodes. I think before this, you were very quiet. I didn't see you at all. But here's where you start to talk to Misty a lot and you stick up for her as someone that you like, which is some foreshadowing for later in the game when you ultimately end up aligning with her. Back on Arawak, Jamie and Rafe talk about how Gideon Gary Morgan, and Judd are close. Rafe assumes Judd is making alliances with everyone. True. This is where Rafe, I think, starts to become a little bit of an outcast. But first, Brianna is the one to kind of throw Rafe under the bus. Brianna was a crazy person. You might remember Yemma Girl. Huge personality on Survivor Sucks. But early in this game, really not great with the subtlety of playing. Just really gets herself into trouble with Bob Dog, accusing him of throwing the challenge. And so they just decide that Brianna has to go. So Rafe and Brianna break out into a fight at Tribal Council, which I thought was funny. And then Brianna ends up going home.
1: Yeah. So at this point, Arawak's gone to all three of the tribal councils, and we're barely talking about them. Judd is a, the biggest, I think, standout. Judd and Morgan, I feel like, are the big standouts from, from Arawak, from what I remember of the early, the early sections.
0: Yeah, Morgan was kind of like, just a really bubbly, flirty, likable player, but... <sighs> I really didn't get a good sense of her gameplay throughout the season. I think she was just kind of floating along um, up until about her boot. But majority of this, you know, I think it's just important to know that she was just social. Moving on, on Aroaf, they feel bad that Rafe's an outsider who is trying, but... Gary and Morgan agree that he has to go. So Gary and Morgan, of course, form like this flirt manse of sorts, which is really weird. Gary keeps talking about like stick with me, kid. Gary, of course, is played by Captain Honky, who I absolutely love. One of my favorites from Pre-Stranded that I finally got back into Stranded. Of course, Gary never really pans out as like a character. So I later bring him back as Sugar. So he's much more well known for.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay, cool. cool,
0: Yeah. So one of the very, very few recasts in Stranded, maybe the only one intentionally, anyway.
1: So yeah, this is going to be the first, the first challenge that the K- K- actually loses here in episode four they finally have to go to a tribal
0: yes and then shit is gonna hit the fan so on our walk jamie loses it is pissed off at everyone in the alliance jamie is so for those of you uneducated jamie is played by love ash very controversial figure in the org world and legitimate insane person in real life andy i can remember many a days spent fucking with love ash on aim with uh alpo
2: yeah i do recall that she was he she i don't know was like Psycho.
0: I'm trying yes. to remember, I
2: think I interacted with them in other games as well, but I can't quite recall now.
0: The last I remember, I think that she controversially on Orgy talked about Ken, who is a uh, all star and stranded uh, who became transgender at some point, uh, started calling him out in a game for that as it was awful. (laughs) So I think she got banned and that was the last we heard of her, probably. So that's Love Ashley. Uh, (laughs) I can remember not purposely not talking to her and her messaging me every single day for a year just messaging me Pooty. are you still playing games you know like a legitimate crazy yes. person
2: i wish i could have a i wish i could go back in time and read all of those aim messages
0: i on the other hand am so glad that they are gone from the
2: yeah do you think that they exist somewhere
0: like probably
1: probably somewhere I in, the, in the ether to,
0: like run for public office for sure oh yeah they'd show up for sure so anyway this is really where Jamie's cracks start to show and Jamie had this weird habit throughout the season of like i the strategy was all over the place i, I don't it's it's hard to to get a sense of anyway kakaitios this is their first loss so danielle and shane tell aris that misty is is targeting him and uh they need to get her out so we see aris kind of go on the attack against misty uh just more misty bashing really misty and courtney have sussed out that the alliance uh wants them out on the tribe i think terry is condescending boy are they correct misty actually fucks up the challenge for the tribe not great already on a um a tribe that hates her guts she loses (laughs) the challenge she miscounts and they have to start over from one at tribal council shane calls her out as having thrown the challenge cindy comes to her defense but nobody's hearing it misty's voted out at this tribal council so
1: so this is where i got really confused um, because I start I start these kind of recaps looking through like getting the boot list like recorded uh, looking through all that so coming into this I knew okay Misty gets Misty is far 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 in this game and then I, I'm reading through Cindy gets you know her her outcast immunity and all of that and then I, I see the boot order I'm like wait a second Misty is not on this boot order How, how is Misty getting a majority of votes what the hell is going on right now um, and this is also where I I think danielle makes a very interesting mistake i don't know if it it, i think it would have been a mistake long term um i think the way the game ends up panning out it's probably not as important as it um could have been but she purposely votes wrong here after leading the vote
0: that's right yeah, she votes for
1: Eris. She votes for Eris, but she tells everybody to vote for Misty and then says, I'm going to vote for Aris for, for, for some reason, uh, maybe to blame it on somebody else. I'm not sure. But everybody like half the tribe knew she was doing that.
0: She said it was because she wanted to throw off the scent of a solid alliance. Suri and company don't buy that. And Aris in particular is kind of pissed off about it. So let's explain what happens with this Misty vote, because as you said, she does end up going far in the season. The hosts tell Bob Dog and Cindy that they can meet to talk about the upcoming swap. So the two outcasts, Cindy and Bob Dog, can now talk to each other and share information, uh, but they can't tell their tribe that the swap is happening under penalty of DQ. That's made very clear up front. Uh, Cindy tells her tribe that all these inside details that Bob Dog is telling her, thus revealing that she can talk to Bob Dog. And so people start asking questions. Shane's very vocal, calling her like a liar. And that's when it becomes obvious that she broke the rule. She started talking about their private conversation when it was made clear that they would be dequeued if they did so. And I remember this this judgment call going on for a longer time. Rudy. Jamal was my co-host at the time. I think he could probably speak to it a little bit more. But I think ultimately a previous call where she had cheated in the challenge when they were picking the sins. So the outcast assigned the sin, the sins of the tribe, but they of course were not allowed to like give hints or anything. And she had broken a rule there. And so when this happened, I think it was decided that, hey, she's breaking a rule. It was made clear she had to be dequeued and she's an outcast that's supposed to be an integral part of future twists. We can't trust her with those twist so she had to go and then you needed a new outcast correct this is where like i don't think that this decision would have been made now i think now the obvious choice is like elect a new outcast from the people still in the game but it's an outcast twist so we have the players voted out vote on the returnee the vote ties and then cindy breaks the tie for misty to return another questionable call i think someone (laughs) in the game was like that's bullshit <laughs> she cheats and then she gets to decide who replaces her uh, i i think i would agree with that now reading back on this but um
2: it's just funny to like like think about the just how pissed off people would have been about that like just i'm just remembering that briefly <laughs> I mean, Jesus, they hated, yeah, they
1: hated Misty already. Now she's coming (laughs) back into the game with immunity until merge as this new outcast. And it's just, you know, you asked earlier about that five-person alliance being a good or bad idea. I think if if the game had gone, like, without Misty coming back, I think that five-person alliance might have ridden far, far down the line. But with everything that happens, with how Misty comes back, and then the swap right afterwards, I think it really sets it up to be like Misty's story for the game.
0: Rigged. Rigged. uh, It's delicious (laughs) and so fun to watch, but uh, complete bullshit. In retrospect, like (laughs) Misty has like such control over the rest of the season when really like I don't. That's not fair. So a lot of controversy around that. However, the story that falls out is fantastic. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, we'll roll with it. So, yes, Misty comes back and then the outcasts get to to pick the new tribes. That was the task at hand before she came back. So, of course, Misty, being the savvy player she is, decides to structure the tribes in such a way that the power alliance could be split up, which I don't think Cindy or Bob Dog would have been able to do.
1: No, no, she definitely had all of the info at that time just being voted out. She knew exactly what she needed to do to make sure she could get the best leg up going into the merge as possible. So, I mean, she played her card cards incredibly but again i think this is just a player who from the beginning she just had no shot of winning the game even though she played i think a really good game
0: yeah i would draw the parallel speaking of sugar to sugar in gabon where it's a player everyone kind of knows pissed off too many people and at this point like it's not fair that she's even in the game so she has no shot of winning uh but she controls basically the whole season from afar i i would say Going into this new Arawak consists of Danielle, Shane, Aris. So that hinky vote is going to come back to haunt Danielle.
1: And Rafe, Morgan, and Jamie.
0: Right. Morgan, Jafe, and Ramey. So... The other tribe has Terry, Melinda, and Aris with uh, Terry, Melinda, Suri with Gary, Judd, and Courtney on Kakatios. So on New Arawak, Shane instantly bonds with Rafe by calling him Gafe, which I thought was hilarious. Danielle and Shane are seemingly relying on Terry throwing the challenges. And there's a
1: reason for this um, because Shane had made a public post in their camp. In their original KKTOS camp or whatever about this swap strategy, how they would make sure that if they had the numbers, if they had a majority, the tribe with the majority of numbers, which in this case would have been Kakatios with Terry Melinda Suri and Courtney, they were going to purposely throw to get the OG Arawaks out. And this was like literally when the swap happened, everybody could still see this message. So Gary and Judd come on to and see this message from Shane, like this whole strategy message about how they're just going to throw in the swap to make sure all the Kakatios get to merge. It doesn't not happen that way but that is kind of why shane and danielle were really convinced that um terry was going to throw challenges
0: yeah a lot of assumptions going on from shane and danielle as their game starts to crumble before them terry says misty is still a whore a big fat fucking whore terry goes full villain in this swap by the way (laughs) His, his poster Ridiculous! Suri rats out Danielle as voting for Aris and blames everything on her to Misty. So th- this Aris vote is really coming back to bite Danielle in a big way, mainly from Suri. Knowing she was on the outs from the last vote, Courtney immediately spills the beans to Gary. Misty and Courtney think Melinda would flip and has been strung along by the main alliance. I think that ends up happening, but not as quickly as they had hoped. But this is kind of the start of that conversation where Misty and Courtney start to pull in Melinda. Melinda talks to Judd and feels left out of the alliances on her tribe, does not want to throw challenges. That's the big thing. This challenge throwing idea comes about. And Melinda as an outsider, I really think people use it as a way of villainizing people and saying they don't want to work with them because they want to throw a challenge, which fair enough. But that really starts to rub you the wrong way as an outsider that now you have to throw a challenge to save Shane and Danielle. Do you remember any of this, Andy? Um, I just remember, like, knowing I
2: I was I remember knowing that Courtney, like, knew she was on the outs. So I knew Courtney was going to flip. So at that point, I can't remember. Was Misty able to vote even or no? No. So I remember, like, thinking, well, we're basically don't really have a majority. It's more like three, three. If I stick with Sari and Aris, it's going to be a three, three split. So, like you know I, I figured it was the right move and, and i also knew that that seri and terry were kind of shady anyway so i knew the right move was probably to to flip with um
0: courtney and god and Harry. it's going to come out in a later episode i don't think kaketios goes to this first council at least i don't think so they do oh they do okay yeah. well then it comes out in this episode <laughs> missy actually does get to vote but only in the re-vote because early stranded rules i don't even know when they changed
1: that's what i was gonna ask that was one of the things i was gonna ask is when if you knew when they changed
0: (laughs) I don't. I'm sure we'll get to that through our recaps. But in the early days, it used to just be the immunity bearer would break the tie instead of like a rock ball. We'll see later in either this season or the next it kind of kills momentum. Once someone wins immunity, you kind of know where the votes will go. But in this case, the immunity bearer is Misty. She's immune. So she will break a tie and it does tie. But first, Judd calls out Shane's thread to keep the Kaketia strong in a swap. And then they get into like, (laughs) so they know that they're gonna throw this challenge and they get into like this ridiculous volunteer fight and it goes on for like way too long of this was hilarious
1: to read oh my god I was cracking up the whole time through this because Terry's basically like okay these three people are playing and everybody else is like no nobody talked about this why are you volunteering people to play no go back I want to play this challenge go away
0: yeah like he said well Melinda and I are playing um and Melinda like you weren't even at this challenge so uh Judd and Gary are like well we're here play. Uh, what the fuck? She's not even there. You can't call like shotgun on challenges. And it was really funny because Shane was piping in the whole time, like yelling. Nope, it's going to be Melinda and Terry. He called it. And it was just like this <laughs> ridiculous fight. And Judd is uh, Judd, the character. Wow. <laughs> Judd and Terry going head to head in the season is great. Judd starts going off like who appointed Terry, the leader, to just call out who's going to go in the challenge without even discussing it as a tribe. And so it was just like this 30 minute fight between these guys of deciding who will get to play until finally I'm like, okay, the next three people to post will play. Then, of course, it was Judd ends up playing, I think, right? Judd, I, think Terry and- Melinda,
1: I, don't, I don't think um, Andy ends up playing because I think you were like, why am I getting pulled into this? I don't even care. I, I won't play. I'll sit out.
0: <laughs> yes. This is when you actually were pissed off that Terry wanted you to throw the challenge. I was kind of like forcing you into this to throw it. You were like, fuck that. I don't want to play. So I think Gary Judd and Terry end up playing. They lose the challenge. And in the middle of this whole fight, Gary is like saying, fuck you to Terry. And then Terry's like, well, I am in control of this game. Uh, me, Melinda, Courtney and Sari are in control, basically just telling them that they're going to go home, which ends up being very untrue. Arawak wins. Shane says goodbye to Judd or Gary, <laughs> the character. The tribal council comes down to Melinda. Terry and Suri voting for Judd, I think. I think it's between okay. Judd and Yeah, it's Judd. Suri. So I, I kinda thought it was odd that they targeted Suri, but I guess they figured they might be able to get Melinda on side to vote for Suri over Terry. But anyway, Courtney votes with Judd and Gary against Suri. So it's a tie between Suri and Judd. And then Misty is tasked with breaking that tie, so Suri goes home, which completely blew the game apart Uh, again misty's misty's power in this is misty's
1: power the power of the whore
0: yes kind of amazing considering all the misty passion going on but probably not fair but still very fun to watch again
1: from a viewer perspective amazing
2: to read all of this
1: from a from a real time player perspective, yeah, I probably would have been super annoyed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Like the real survivor when they like have like Devons like get every advantage or something like that.
0: Right? Yeah. Like the uh, twist, maybe not fair, but so fun to watch.
2: I hate that guy that won that uh, Chris or whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the next episode, Bob Dogg tells Shane that Misty put the tribes together to try to get rid of Akatios, so Shane and Danielle are in full panic mode. They want to vote off Morgan, but... That's gonna be a little bit more complicated than they assume. Again, just more misty bashing. Nothing no conversation can go without some misty bashing, I think, between these two. Uh, on Kakatios, Terry asks why Courtney's ignoring him, which I thought was hilarious. And Courtney responds with, Well, when you blindsided me, you didn't come talk to me, but it. <laughs> it's like, why would I come talk to you? And then Terry just goes on a full rampage trying to get Gary on his side. And then Gary just tells him, like, uh, you get what you give Monami, And then Terry goes, um, oh, you speak French. You should get that baguette out of your ass. He speaks Terry. Terry's French Canadian. So he's from Quebec. Oh, that's some tea. <laughs> yeah. So he does speak French. Terry just goes on a full on rampage. He starts calling out like Misty saying how she threw her game away. And Misty's like, uh, what game? Like you were going to vote me out. Like, why, why would I stay with you? Kaketios loses. And Melinda, this is when you agree to vote out Terry with Courtney Judd and Gary but of course you Courtney and Misty have like this weird back and forth throughout the whole season where I guess you guys knew each other were threats but you still kind of like talking to one another and you ultimately work together but I constantly saw like a back and forth in the conversations where like, Melinda's just playing us she's not really committing to us and really you were kind of going back and forth on whether you wanted to work with them too. Sounds about right yeah. So Terry goes home not without calling Misty a whore one final time on the next episode on Arawak, the Misty bashing continues. This is when Danielle makes her prayer to St. Margaret, um, which was actually hilarious to read because it also calls out Misty in the prayer. Once the immunity challenge takes place and they lose, this is when the shit hits the fan. They don't have time to scramble, so when the confessionals go dark, they just assume Aris is going to vote with them and it'll probably be a tie, but Aris immediately talks about voting out Danielle in tribal council and I actually thought this was kind of a masterful play by Shane when in the middle of tribal council they're kind of scrambling and Shane decides you know what we can't get Aris to vote with us fuck that would you guys be willing to vote out Aris with us and then seemingly like everyone in the tribe agrees to that and Aris gets voted out unanimously which I did not see coming but is another lesson of like, you know, if you're going to flip, make sure you do it quick and silently probably.
1: Yeah, this was another hilarious bit to read in the episodes for anybody who's listening who thinks they might want to like check any of this out. This live tribal where they really don't get any chance to talk beforehand was gold. It was so, so entertaining. And um, I think there had been something earlier in the day where maybe Shane and Danielle were trying to get Rafe to flip with them and vote out not Morgan. Was it Morgan or was it who, who else was on there? Um, bu, 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 bu. No. Yeah, my, Jamie, I Jamie. I think they were going to yeah. try to get Rafe to vote out Jamie and use Iris for that, but Iris wasn't having any of it. He did not want to vote out Jamie and that's when the shit really hit the fan.
0: This is also where Rafe starts to be hated by the Arawaks. He was already kind of on the outs, but this really seals his fate where Danielle tells Jamie that Rafe said, this is confusing, but he said that Rafe sent He said that Rafe said that Jamie sent all of Danielle's PMs to Morgan. So in other words, Danielle's throwing Rafe under the bus for throwing Jamie under the bus, basically. (laughs) So Jamie's pissed at Rafe uh, is like, why would you throw me under the bus to Danielle?
1: I just love all the all the self-righteous of you were on the bottom of our group how dare you go against us when you realize that oh my god you see that a lot
0: in this season I was (laughs) gonna say if there if there's a theme to the season it's like the obvious outcasting and it's fitting that there are outcasts in this season the obvious outcasting of people and how that comes back to bite other people so if you're in Stranded You know, if you want to outcast people publicly, that's entertainment for us, but probably not the best idea. So, yeah, we definitely see them oust Rafe, who was on the bottom anyway. And Jamie, Jamie, the cracks really start to show with Jamie on this one. Like he's pissed that Rafe ratted him out, even though he was actually being pretty underhanded about the whole thing. But anyway, so this is when the merge happens. This is the new Ojeda tribe, which will always wear pink. Uh, Misty and Bobby are officially back into the game and they have to give away their idols. So Bob Dog gives away his idol to Rafe which was a questionable decision, but I guess they had a bond. And then Misty gives her idol to Courtney. No surprise there.
1: And they cannot talk about this idol. They have to pretend it does not exist. They cannot tell anybody they had this opportunity. Can the recipient say that they got an idol? I yes. was a little less clear so, on that. Okay.
0: So the idea was that the outcast can't tell everyone, I'm giving it to this person so that they can't just like weaponize that. They had to let the recipient of the idol tell people how they got it, which they do. Rafe does it first. I believe he tells people that uh, Bob Dog gave him the idol, but not many people. He he wanted to kind of keep it close to Vest, whereas Courtney ends up telling more people after it's revealed that Rafe had Bob Dog's idol. Uh, But that'll come up in a later council. So obviously, Shane and Danielle are full on pushing for Missy. Danielle attempts to flip Judd, but then Rafe informs her that he's gunning for her. Gary tells Danielle that she should be gunning for Rafe. So last minute, Gary comes in and says like, hey, you should probably gun for our outcast Rafe. So there's like some last minute things. I did think it was funny in Tribal Council that Bob Dog brings up Bolivia and says that Ravu Rules was the one who knew how to play and hey. Judd, call, Judd calls him obnoxious. Meanwhile, he's there as Courtney, another unfair advantage there. But
1: you skip the uh, two hour immunity challenge. Please never, ever bring that back. That sounds
0: <laughs> awful. We used to do that a lot. But yes, Shane, in the immunity challenge, the twist is an endurance. So they had to post once a minute counting and they would be tempted throughout so rave wins an advantage in the next immunity challenge and jug wins an extra vote and they opted to take those in exchange for dropping out of the challenge uh shane wins immunity after two hours and two minutes very impressive i think underlining like how while shane was insane he was actually not that terrible of a player and was there to win
2: it was
1: a dedicated insanity
0: yes (laughs) (laughs) so danielle is voted out after all that scrambling Uh, in the next episode jamie really starts to stand out as someone who's stirring a lot of shit shane then goes on a rampage i thought this was funny he he posted like a an image of someone flipping the bird to melinda for not telling him that she was voting out danielle so melinda you kind of caught some hands from shane after this danielle vote. yeah shane
2: hated me from that point on i i don't think i really had much of a choice but to vote danielle out though at that point
1: and no. I don't think he should have been upset with you anyway, because Shane and Danielle spent most of the swap just assuming you had flipped and, like, being absolute dicks to you in their, in their messages to each other without ever talking to you.
0: Right. They just right. assumed. Yeah, and they would, like, come to you saying, why did you flip? And you're like, I didn't fucking flip. What are you talking about? Yeah. But this is really also when you get away from Shane and Danielle and start having, like, these lengthy conversations with Misty. So this is, like, the start of you and Misty becoming close. Uh, I don't think that it it solidifies in this particular vote. It will in the next one. But this is the start of that. Mm-hmm. And it's also when they, they see Rafe and Bob Dog as the outcasts. So they know Arawak doesn't really want anything to do with Rafe and Bob Dog. And this is when you and Misty talk about potentially using that in the future. And I know that Misty really starts to gun for Jamie here, but uh, decides it's probably too early. Yeah, I think I think my ideal final five would have been
2: Bob, Dog, Rafe. Courtney and Misty and at that point I'd be like the swing vote between the two
0: right so Judd who is a huge character actually a really savvy player like I give him a lot of credit on that swap but unfortunately he's incredibly arrogant and loves to tell everyone how good of a player he is he says he wins immunity because of course he did he's better than everyone (laughs) it's just like a constant player Uh, I kind of I almost get the sense like because he's so calm when he talks about how great he is it's almost like you know I don't know it's like a spoiled rich kid or something
1: that tracks that that that's a good analogy for, for <laughs> you know what i mean Being like the the privileged rich kid who just gets everything his way and thinks he owns every like every decision and the world spins on his finger
0: yeah and like it probably does so like <laughs> you may not be wrong but it's super annoying to, to read and it it will end up catching up to him so as it usually does judd always wins immunity he pushed for Rafe during this. It's almost like a last minute thing. But then Misty kind of cock that immediately. She's, she tells Rafe that he's the target and really uses this to get Rafe on her side. And Rafe has the hidden muni idol. So he plays that and Shane goes home. Uh, I think missed opportunity. Probably getting Shane out.
1: Yeah, I don't think Shane needed to be the person to go here. I think I, I think at this point Shane was a non-entity. He had nobody. He could have been scooped up, but um, instead, instead, I think it was Rafe and Bob Dog both decide to vote Shane for some reason. Like they have complete control over this vote, and they and they vote Shane out.
2: Yeah, they were they were idiots, both of them. <laughs> and that's why everyone hated them, and that's why right. I wanted to work with them. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when you leave a vote up to Bob Dog, that's what you get. But yeah, Rafe plays his idol. I don't know if Misty knew that Rafe had an idol, but certainly it benefited her telling him that Judd was coming after him. So I, I almost wonder if maybe Misty knew at that point and was maybe angling to get Rafe to play that idol to get rid of Judd. He plays the idol. Shane goes home. Sad. But he's the first juror. Yay. And what a first juror, really. In the next episode, a cockroach. The worst kind of cockroach. The gay cockroach. Iconic, first of all. Uh, A name that Reef would hold for for many years to (laughs) come. Courtney tells Judd, Gary, and Melinda that she has Misty's idol after being grilled about it. So I think yeah. because Rafe said he got the idol from Bob Dog, they know that the outcasts gave away idols and they're pretty much assuming that Misty gave it to Courtney.
1: Yeah, and this put Misty in a really weird spot because the rule that Misty can't talk about it is like technically still in effect, but everybody's going into her, her private messages being like, so who did you give the idol to? So you had an idol, right? And she's like, I cannot confirm nor deny any suspicions <laughs> about any idols that may or may not be in this game go talk to courtney though
0: yeah i gotta say i misty really draws a lot of parallels to your game levita oh okay i think misty is kind of like an early levita in this like very much pulling the streams from afar i am a whore (laughs) and you are a whore (laughs) (laughs) that's not what i was going with that i could see
2: that totally yeah they're 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 similar i can see that as Someone who was closely aligned with both.
1: Yeah, no, I do take that as a compliment. I think I think Misty. Play, again, reading all this back, I think Misty played a great game. Getting the placement she did was um, kind of sad, but I think it was just set up that way.
0: Yeah, and we'll see more from Misty in seasons where she's not like this. You know, she has like obvious advantages in this. I I think it's much more impressive there. But Misty is like an all time player. If the conversation is like our all time strategists, Misty's in that conversation for sure. I I just think she played this this whole season masterfully, even if she did have like obvious advantages. Still, I think every move she made was very on point. So I don't want to take that away from her. This is when the Alliance family forms. Rafe starts venting to Misty about Jamie's lies. Misty and Melinda have already been talking. So this is when they start to see, you know what? Maybe we should take Rafe and Bob Dog instead of Judd and Gary or Jamie to the end game. And that's really going to set up the end game here where an alliance of five forms between Courtney, Melinda, Rafe, Bob Dog and Misty. That is not a smooth sail to the end. But uh, this is the start of that. This is what you were talking about earlier. That was your ideal. Uh, we're going to yeah. see Bob Dog go full Bob Dog, though. So no, don't, don't don't write that end game in just yet.
2: Now, their erratic behavior kind of probably screwed that up. It was the ideal scenario if could have just done things the way I wanted them to do them.
0: Uh, And then we see you guys pull in Rafe, Rafe's all on board because, of course, everyone hates him at that point. And then we see Judd and Jamie decide to. All right, let's pull in Rafe now. Let's let's tell him, you know, you're not necessarily going home, which is not a terrible move, but a little too late because, of course, Melinda, you and Misty had beaten them to the punch on this one. And I think it probably was too late because, of course, they had been bashing Rafe this entire season. So, you know, who is he going to go with? People who got into him first and offered him a lifeline or the people who like put him in the bad position to begin with? So then, of course, we see more Bob Dog being Bob Dog. Of course, it couldn't just be a straight up vote. Bob Dog seems to want like Jamie to stay around, even though Misty is bent on getting rid of Jamie and Misty will end up getting her way. Uh, she wins immunity in the numbers challenge. Usually numbers is a pretty good precursor to like who is in the power of the tribe. So Misty winning that is not a shock and just goes on to further say how much control she had of this tribe at this point. But then Bob Dogg pre-votes. So and they have no idea who Bob Dogg pre-voted for. So Misty and Courtney go into full panic mode. They tell Judd they're planning on voting for Jamie, hoping he would go with them. But Judd has like an extra vote. So... It's a hot mess.
1: But Jamie ends up does end up leaving there.
0: Yes. So Jamie is voted out, even though it's kind of up in the air. And then they're hit with another twist that it's a double tribal council. So there's a quick, very quick immunity challenge, which you win, Melinda, your first immunity. I think it was like just a math equation that you posted first. A win is a win. So you're safe from the vote. The vote comes back as a three-way tie, which was very shocking to read back. I don't remember that at all. Judd, Morgan, and Bob Dog are the tie.
1: Especially because there's eight players at this point. I just, I just counted. Um, yes. So there's a three-way tie with eight voters. So does Judd use his extra vote then here?
2: Yeah, I don't know if it was like a 3-3-3 three, three, three split or was it a like
0: a 2-2-1-1 two, two, one, one split? <laughs> two, I'm going to say one, it was one. probably 3-3-3. Three, three, three. So Judd must have used his extra vote. I don't know. I'll have to go back and check the uh, the tapes at some point during this recording when you guys are talking. <laughs> I
2: know from reading the final tribal council that me and Misty voted for Judd, but Courtney voted for someone else. So I kind of tried to use that as like a bad move that Courtney made in my... FTC.
0: So Jamie's voted out. Then there's a tie between Judd, Morgan and Bob Dog. as the immunity bearer. Melinda breaks a tie. This is what you're talking about. Melinda makes the big move and votes out Judd. Uh, this is really where you step up in the game and go from like this floater un- under the radar player to like a real power player in this game which i think was a, a great move for you and actually reading all this back i was kind of shocked it wasn't more obvious that you win in the end but we'll get to that later melinda makes the big move votes out judd jamie has a meltdown and talks to someone outside of the game and is removed from the jury so danielle takes his spot there Ooh. yeah uh jamie's true crazy colors start to show finally who did he talk to i think naj NAGA was like a big poster at the time. And I, I, I guess that person got back to me. It was like, Hey, this person is talking about this game. I think he's not supposed to be in. They had like a love eight relationship, of course. Hmm. So we had to remove Jamie, who did who did not take that lying down. So the next episode, I'm doing this as I'm trying to find that travel council.
1: Yeah, so now we're, we're down to final seven. We've got, you know, ostensibly you have got a five-person alliance with only Gary and Morgan remaining on the outside of it. So you, you'd think they would be the next two votes, uh, but they aren't uh, because I think Bob Dog does some crazy stuff. And, and just completely like tries to first he tries to target melinda for some reason and then Courtney because of the idol and then not really sure what he's doing
0: yeah bob dog has like plans of his own i remember reading through it they're like you know bob is kind of the hardest person in the world to talk to like he was very stubborn about wanting jamie there but he thinks because jamie would likely flip to them but then he could vote him out quickly it just made absolutely no sense And was very frustrating as people, time and time again, tried to get him to come to his senses and just vote for Jamie. And this was the previous tribal council, but this tribal council, he is, he talks to Rafe and wants to blindside Courtney to get rid of the idol.
1: Yeah, and so Misty, I guess, finds out about that and and, and her counter is to blindside Rafe so that Bob Dog won't come after the idol because they'll get Morgan and Gary to vote out Rafe.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure Bob Dog and Rafe at this point had started to make moves against misty and courtney misty wisely started making connections with gary and morgan after jamie and judd had left those two were kind of on their own so she said well let me see if we can work with them and get rid of rafe before they can make a move on us incredibly savvy player like that is totally the right move and i don't even know if i don't know who else could have thought to make that move besides someone like misty who had like very good working knowledge of everything So she does that and they get rid of Rafe. And it looks like, Melinda, you might have been working with Bob Dog and Rafe on this one. Like, I don't think you wanted to get rid of Rafe. So... You were trying to get rid of Morgan, but Misty, of course, ends up getting her way and Rafe goes home.
2: Yeah, that sounds right to me. I feel like Morgan and Gary, I definitely didn't want anywhere near the end game because it was kind of it was interesting how hated like I feel like Rafe and Bob Dog were like universally hated. And so was Courtney in my mind. And so was Misty. So I was like thinking that would be an ideal final five.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? But obviously for Misty's plans. She wants Courtney with her and they're coming after Courtney. So, you know, I guess she assumes keeping that idol is probably a better move. In the next episode, Bob Dogg calls Rafe a wild card. Glad he's gone, even though like he was working with him. It's just it's so odd. This is when Morgan comes up with a plan to blindside Courtney with Melinda and Bob Dogg. So immediately Morgan and Gary flip to Melinda away from Misty, who just basically saved her. Melinda decides to tell Misty about the plan to boot Courtney. She waffles on telling Courtney to use her idol to blindside Morgan. So... Basically, I think, Melinda, at this point, you were kind of weighing your options. I don't think you necessarily wanted Courtney and Misty gone because they were your best allies in the game. But I think at the same time, I don't know that you wanted to go with Morgan or or anything like that. So I think at this point you were like, well, I I really want to get rid of Morgan. So that's kind of where it it led from there.
2: Yeah, I figured that like if Morgan or Gary got to the finals with me, I would be at a disadvantage to win because like Shane was already not going to vote for me and then And probably Judd and the other of Morgan or Gary would vote for them to win. So, like, they were kind of the bigger jury threats.
0: Right. And you win this next individual immunity. But uh, interestingly, this is kind of where Courtney starts to crack. You know, in Bolivia, we saw a lot of her paranoia. And it really benefited her that or him in that season that he had Rudy there to kind of calm him down and tell him what was going on. And really, you see that again with Misty and Courtney. uh, It's almost like... Yes, Courtney was a great player. Joel was a great player. Um, But really, without Rudy or without Misty there to guide his decisions, I don't think he makes end game at all. But the fact that it happened twice in a row can't be a coincidence, right? And the fact that Rabu Rules wins a lot of orcs outside of Stranded as well. So I think maybe his strength is making a close bond with someone who's calmer under the radar and kind of being the uh, front man of that alliance.
1: Yeah, we'll probably bring this up like after after we finish going through the the little episode recaps. But Joel and Courtney played for being the same person, they played very, very different games, but that is one of the similarities that they did have.
0: Yeah. And you know, even if I had not known that they were the same, I would I would have never assumed that they were the same player. Because it's very two very different games, I think, where different but similar, where Joel was much more in the lead and Courtney was much more behind the scenes. I think largely because Misty had no control for a large part of the game, so Misty's moves were directly through Courtney and we saw that with Rudy and Joel as well. Interestingly, while Morgan is trying to flip it on Courtney, Gary kind of throws Morgan under the bus, which Gary and Courtney and Morgan had been like very close throughout the entire season. So I didn't see that coming. But I think is a large part of why Morgan goes home. So Morgan is voted out after <laughs> this was weird taking questions from the jury. It's almost like a pre-final tribal council, but in the middle of the game uh terrible decision.
1: Did the jury talk or just like based on the emojis they were
0: posting? No, like they submitted questions that I re-asked to the players in the game. Which is like a horrible idea.
1: I mean, I know sometimes even in uh, more recent seasons, when you're when the jury's like super active, you'll be like, "Hey, any anything you think I should ask during tribal?" But it's it, this sounds like a lot more explicit.
0: Yeah, that's true. One of the questions was like, "Hey, uh, Misty, how does it feel going to lose in the final two? <laughs> like. Not something I should have revealed, the jury was thinking. Yes. And I'm like, yes, I better go to the finals with with Misty. (laughs) Exactly. But again, kind of keeping with the theme of the season where these outcasts have big influence on the game, but no real direct competition for the players in the game. Very odd. Given more maturity and experience this twist executed correctly would have been fantastic and it, it ends up okay here but just way unfair overpowered so we get to our finale it's final five with Misty Courtney Melinda Gary and Bob Dog Gary at this point kind of gives up he calls everyone nasty liars he knows he's the biggest jury threat Gary is someone who if you know Gary he was a fabulous player he's won many times in my series before Stranded but very much the good guy to a bad guy so I think, you know, that was very important to him. Like in the game he's very used to calling people out for being what he decides uh, villainous. When we see that play out. He kind of quits. Basically, Misty wins immunity. The big takeaway here is that Danielle is posting goats in Trouble Console every time Courtney boasts. Uh, and this is where she gets the moniker of Goatney. knee. Love it. That, <laughs> that, that
1: ends up going uh, going super well in the end. huh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a goat, but maybe could have been at this point. In Danielle's actually was. Courtney plays the idol on herself, of course, and Gary is voted out.
1: I'm assuming she doesn't need to play the idol. She just plays like his last opportunity.
0: Probably not. I don't think Melinda would have gone with Gary. And Gary didn't really put up a fight. Gary and Bob Dog, Although that, I don't, Melinda, what do you think? Do you think, because Misty wins
2: immunity. I think seeing all the goats for Courtney was like, I want to go to the finals with, with With Goatney and Misty. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or Bob Dog. It didn't matter at that point. That final four (laughs) was (laughs) much more ideal than having Gary.
0: Yeah, because I think Gary was like the outside threat that was very likable. And I've seen in the past Gary win. So I'm sure everyone was like, what's the alternative? Keeping Gary?
1: Yeah, keeping Gary would have been a bad decision, I think, for all of the final four.
0: So Gary goes home. In the final four, you make the revelation that you've never received a vote. You're the only one left to do that. Misty and Courtney decide to backstab Melinda and vote her out. I think it's kind of probably obvious at this point, like between you and Bob Dog, (laughs) clearly you're the better player. Right. (laughs) And I just I think, you know, at this point, like you're the clear front runner in my eyes going into this final tribal with Courtney being labeled as a goat and you having pretty good relationships with everyone besides maybe Shane. Yeah. So you win this final immunity challenge. Congrats. Courtney and Danielle get into a fight in Tribal Council where Courtney just calls Danielle a fake bitch, which is great going into a final tribal. Um and of course, Bob Dog is voted out, R.I.P. to a crazy icon.
1: And so Melinda or Andy, whatever you want to be called. Uh, So you really made this decision because if you had forced a tie, you would have been the the person to make the decision as the immunity winner. So I think you explain it in your tribal council. But so why Bob
2: Dog here? I can't totally remember. But I think just the fact that like for me, I was much closer with Misty throughout. Like Courtney, I just thought was an idiot. I just remember thinking, I just remember how hated Courtney was by like Danielle and the way she PM with me I was like this person is just an idiot so I I don't know I kind of thought that I kind of thought I had it in the bag no matter what which in hindsight, was very arrogant and I didn't, apparently. But, um, yeah.
0: So you guys read through Final Travel more than I did, I believe. But in this final, the one that stood out to me, obviously, was Shane's Final Travel Council speech, which was incredible. Definitely go check that out if you have the time and are curious. And this was pre-Scooby-Doo reveal, so Judd makes the point of, you know, these are three under-the-radar players, and he asks who the true Wizard of Oz is, which I thought was a great line. Now we refer to that as the Scooby-Doo reveal, which we'll get to in peru but uh at this time is the um who's the man behind the curtain
1: and this is interesting too because Courtney sheds her dumb bitch persona here. Like Courtney really does Scooby Doo reveal this, which is funny because next season a different Courtney is the one to coin the term, because Courtney had been and one of the reasons I don't think anybody would have guessed it was Rava rules was because Courtney had been purposely changing the way she talked to people and even in her confessionals she you know all of her grammar misspellings just the casual nature all of that disappeared. Appears. And in Final Tribal Council, you see you see Joel, basically. J- Joel is in Final Tribal Council, referring to Courtney in the third person of everything. Courtney did this, Courtney did that, Courtney did... Courtney went to the moon, Courtney planned this whole game, Courtney ran everything, blah,
0: blah, blah. It doesn't go great for our argument that Scooby-Doo reveals don't work, uh, because it did work. But I also think they don't work most of the time. I think it, they can work if you're a player like Courtney who actually did things that they can point to. But it's usually done by people who are not savvy players who are not actually in control of anything so it's kind of like uh, it goes as like lip service at the final tribal so it's it's not something i would recommend if you don't know what you're doing
1: yeah and it was also you know lucky that courtney had a misty there with her which nobody was going to vote for misty because she had been voted out of the game already and so nobody you know a lot of the jury didn't think she deserved to win even though she probably played one of the most dominant games there was too much like interference for maybe people to consider voting for her and then, Melinda, as you as you said, you came into it all confident and cocky that you were gonna win, and that might have rubbed people the wrong way too.
2: Yeah, probably, like reading through it, like now I would have never, I would have chosen different words for sure. Like reading it back, I'm
0: cringing a little bit, but. Yeah. So what highlights from this tra- final travel do you remember reading and have any thoughts on before we move on to the season as a whole? Um, I, ju- I just remember
2: it like feeling like it was like me arguing against Misty and Courtney a lot. Like it was like a two on one bitch fest throughout. I remember being yeah, super think- pissed off because like from my perspective, I thought that Misty was like standing up for Courtney when I thought Misty kind of carried Courtney along so that's all I really remember
1: if the jury had split their votes between Misty and Courtney better like you would have ended up in the with a win a 3-2-2 would have been entirely possible there instead it ended up being a 3-3-1 and that's what really screwed you because obviously Misty broke the tie
2: I'm trying to remember I don't know who I can't remember like who voted for who like I, I know I got Danielle's vote for sure but I don't know which other two jurors I got I can't remember remember, like Morgan, Rafe, or Gary, or Bob Dogg, two of those four, I suppose. I think, I don't know, Some one person voted for Misty. I don't know if that, was that Shane or was that Judd?
0: You know, I have no idea. <laughs> Who knows? Could have been Gary for all we know. Oh, it could have been too. Yeah, I don't know.
1: This is the information I need, okay?
2: I, I know. <laughs> no, I'm Terrible. kidding. I'm kidding.
1: The only information I need.
2: <laughs> Probably got Rafe and Bob Dogg and...
0: Uh, Danielle I don't know <laughs> that's my guess That would make. Uh, I did find the answer to that three way tie by the way it looks like it was a two votes Morgan two votes Judd two votes Bob Dog but at the final eight that makes absolutely no sense maybe there was like people that one. didn't vote and they got self votes I don't know <laughs> that must have been it because it was a live tribal maybe they didn't because in Stranded when you don't vote you don't get self votes it's just like they don't exist didn't Bob Dog pre-vote or something I don't know so that's what happened two 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 but anyway, yeah, I don't know how I feel about in retrospect. Like I think at the time, Courtney as a winner was pretty epic because the um Misty Courtney thing, But I think rereading this, you were the more obvious winner of this. And especially given Misty's overpowered influence throughout the whole season. I mean, she basically decided the winner as well at the end. Like she broke multiple tie votes, gave Courtney an idol.
1: Yeah. Like this was Misty season. She just didn't win it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She just decided what happened throughout it. All in all though, uh, for a second season, very chaotic, very fun to read, huge personalities all around, I think. And definitely, like, I think a level up from Bolivia as I'm reading. Like, it was much more fun to read, much more open-ended, and a lot more characters to delve into.
2: A lot of these characters, like, a lot of the people from this season end up playing in future All-Stars a lot. Like, I think I played with, what, Sari twice or three times? Was three mm-hmm. in the Rivals game, too, or not? Oh, I keep she wasn't in hours.
0: rivals, but she was in legends, and she went on to win that one. really. But she was definitely in um, all stars.
2: yeah, because like and and I had a pretty epic like storyline throughout three seasons where we ended up being the rivals or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think overall, this is just like the start of a really good cast that would stick around for a long time, really well-rounded cast, and really parallels a lot of the newer seasons much more closely than Bolivia did.
1: I got that impression too. I definitely felt like this was, this felt a lot more modern than Bolivia did for, for coming right afterwards. It definitely felt like it had that, you know, it was very active the whole time, maybe not super back and forth, but there were some, you know, interesting moves being made And then just like the twist presence too is a little bit higher, which we can, you know, maybe, maybe not the best decisions, but you know, came, came for an entertaining watch.
0: Yeah. I still think, you know, while I cringe at some of the decisions I made, I still think The twists itself were not bad. Like, I would probably reuse them in some capacity. Like, the ideas were there. And, of course, this is season two. So, like, as we start introducing new twists, I think they get perfected as time goes on.
1: Yeah, because you've used twists later on where people give up their ability to vote to be immune in in a certain way. It's not necessarily an outcast, but that that does happen later on.
0: Yeah, I definitely... um, I'm super interested in setting people apart as either a big threat or creating some kind of threat. And so when you have like an outcast or you set someone as immune, we're going to see that play out in later seasons and explore that deal a little bit more fleshed out, um, sometimes a little less fair, sometimes a little more fair. Uh, these early seasons, you really get to see some experimenting going on, which I would say every season is an experiment. So but I think now we, <laughs> when we think through the possibilities a little bit better than in these early seasons. And um, you'll definitely see that, too, when I add Carl to the hosting staff after Mongolia. He really started the process of like thinking out how to break every twist and pulling me back a little bit which we had Rudy do in the first season. So these second season through fifth season were kind of unrestrained a little bit, or at least less restrained than maybe prior and later seasons. But still very interesting. Uh, I think the concepts were there. And it's very interesting because these are really the foundations for a lot of the later twists and I think some of my best twists. So it's fun to see that evolution.
1: So here's my big question. When do you find out... That Courtney was Joel.
0: I want to say immediately after the season because... It was
2: like the same night or the day after, I want to say. Because I remember like Danielle being super pissed off about it. And like there was even like a petition to like disqualify her as like the winner because it was cheating or whatever. And at that point, it's like, well, I don't know, like... How do you do that? You know,
0: um, Rudy spoke a little bit to it in that, that you know, Stranded started off as like, OK, we're going to play this totally above board, like no cheating, no decisions that are biased, which I don't know if that <laughs> played out necessarily considering some of the poor decisions in this season. But
1: tent was there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So, and Rudy was a big proponent of that too. Like we were really setting out to try to make it as fair as possible. So when we get that setback of like, oh, it's another unfair thing on Stranded's first and second winner, you know, I think there was an overreaction on my part for being embarrassed by it. And also all the players being a little miffed by it to where I know we really blew up Ravu rules on sucks and like said specifically he was banned from lurking any next seasons or ever returning. And that's really when Ravu rules disappeared from gaming as a whole. I mean, I think he goes on to win a few more games or did in between Bolivia and Aruba. But I would come to regret being so aggressive about that because I would love to have him back. But of course, at that time, like I was hell bent on proving my integrity. So when that happened, I was like, Furious that like, oh, it's another setback of trying to prove like that I'm honest and trying to be above board with how these games are run. So that definitely played into a lot of the drama with uh, Rava rules being outed as the ghosty of Courtney. And I think he, he came clean about it, too.
1: Because that's what's interesting, because he didn't, you know, I I totally understand why people would be pissed, obviously, but it sounds like that during the season, he didn't cheat in any way. Like, he played the season completely above board. Just nobody knew who he was, and he wasn't supposed to have the opportunity to.
0: It's tough, because you also have to remember, this is season one and two, and... It's the start of a new concept of games, right? Like, I, I never had a series before. Like, I didn't, my previous series were just games that I was hosting that had, like, names. But Stranded was, like, its own thing. It would have a, a series of games that would be attached to it. You know, Stranded in a Aruba, Stranded in Oblivion. And so when that came into doubt immediately, there was, like, a huge pushback against that. And so no he didn't cheat but the whole concept of stranded was that people were gonna only play once under one alias like that's the whole concept uh, but- yeah he
1: completely undermined that for sure <laughs> Like, I would have been pissed if I were you, for sure, 100%. Right, like,
0: up until that point, most games, that was not a rule. Like, people just played in as many games as they wanted under the same host with the same people over and over again. And so there are still series that do that. But that was, like, what was going to I'm set Stranded... <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <do> that <it. laughs> that was what, what was going to set Stranded apart from other series, was that you only got one shot. If you came back, it was as all star with the same alias like that was your alias and stranded and that's how it was going to be forever of course now that's blurry right but at the time that was the whole thing that set us apart and among other things like being fair and having clear ideas and so like having someone sneak in was really as you said undermining the whole concept of the series so i think it was blown out of proportion at the time. Like he had an advantage because he played previously, but really I think it's way more egregious that Misty comes back (laughs) after being voted out. Like I don't even attribute, I don't know. I attribute Ravu's win here mostly to Misty's hard work throughout the season to be honest. I
1: agree with that. Yeah. Same, which
0: is why I was like pissed during the game. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, if there's something to be pissed at Aruba about, it's not Ravi Rule sneaking back in. It's probably the decision to allow Misty to return after being voted out. But God, did she make the game so much more interesting because of it? Oh, I know. <laughs> the, the storyline overall is incredible, and like the characters pop probably because of that decision. Like, I don't know if Terry, Danielle, and Shane would be as iconic as they are if Misty is the second boot. Like, that's just not—it's you know, not indicative of what we know in Stranded history now. So. Cool. It is what it right. is. It's one of those things where maybe that decision wouldn't be made now, but I'm kind of glad it did. Yeah, it allowed for
2: some really great falls. Like you think about, yes. um, like, Terry and Sari and, well, Judd and Shane and Danielle. They all, like, got their comeuppance, basically, in, like, a really big way.
0: Yes. And frankly, like, they kind of deserved it, like, to be honest. I mean, that doesn't right. happen most of the time, but they totally, that's what should they happen. Did. They totally
1: did. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And really it was it was fun rereading all this and you know I had forgotten a lot of the uh, intricacies of the merge I knew it was chaotic but uh, I didn't re- remember how chaotic or you know it's hard when things are such a blur when so much happens that you kind of don't remember the details but getting to reread it and see like every time Misty wanted something to happen it would happen despite other people having different plans that was really fun to watch so definitely a very influential player in stranded stranded icon for sure um i really enjoyed this i love reading this season i thought the characters were so fun i think it really holds up and it holds up better than i remembered which is fun Uh, that's why i'm excited about doing these series because we forget a lot of the details. But getting to read those details again was fun after so long. And it holds up as an entertaining read. So like if you have the time and you're bored, go check it out.
1: Oh, yeah, I definitely recommend going back and reading, reading some of these, at least uh, the highlights we pointed out for sure, because they are long um, yeah. <laughs> These episodes. You went into a lot of detail on these, um, which is sad that we we don't have them for every season. But know, for these I first know. few seasons, uh, they are they are really good. And there are some moments in there. I, I definitely agree. Holds up really well. You can tell it's a product of of 2007, but reading through is just it's it's hilarious. It's it's a great read, very
0: entertaining. And I think it says a lot. Like we're on hour two of this talk, and I there's still so much I could say about the season. Like yeah, um, here I
1: am being like, okay, I need I need to go soon. Yeah, we're <laughs> gonna cut this up, but I want to keep talking about it because it was a really good season to read. And Andy, I'm glad you played such a big role in it.
0: Yes, huge characters, and even the characters. That weren't huge go on to become huge characters in their many iterations like Melinda you got called Melinda I don't know if that that's obviously in all-stars because we didn't see that here but uh, you become an iconic player who as we'll talk about in future seasons you go on to also come in a second place again and then finally win but yes I think this was a fantastic follow-up to season one I very much enjoyed rereading this I can't wait for the next season it's one of my favorite seasons as well We'll get into that next time. Uh, Thanks, Andy, for joining us. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. I very much look forward to getting this out to people to to look back on this season. So with that, that was your Stranded history lesson for today. I want to thank you guys for looking back on season two of Stranded in Aruba. Misty's a whore.
1: Misty's a whore.
0: (laughs) Misty's a whore. Goodbye. (laughs) That was super fun.